What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Reconsidered podcast. I am Brandon. And I'm Joey. And uh, thank you guys for joining us this week in yes. our new space. Yes. As you can see, it looks like we've upgraded. And we, I'm happy with it, but it's still a work in progress. But in reality, we just uh, changed from Joey's office to mm-hmm. uh, to my sunroom. Yeah, recording so. in a sunroom might not be the smartest, but because uh, it's going to get hot. Especially in the middle of summer. Yeah, yeah. But we're working on making this place nice. I'm really happy with it so far. Our gaming merch is gone. Our Batman merch is gone. Yeah, this is no longer the lava lamp and link show for those that watch on YouTube yeah. and watch the video podcast. Yeah. But we still we had to keep the lava lamp. lamp. The, the lava lamp had to stay. Um, it is unfortunate though for all the link fans. Yeah. You know, it's 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 too bad. But you know, I think Link served his duty. He he, he, he was protected here. the podcast in mm-hmm. its infant stages. Exactly. He was here for the beginning and he's on to bigger and better things. Oh yeah. Which oh, is yeah. just hang out in my office while I do my actual job. Right. Um, another upgrade we have is we have a logo. Yeah, look at that. So um, <laughs> we're kind of official now. I would say so. Um, a team member of ours produced that, and uh, we're going to tag her down below in the description. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're excited about being here in this new place, and uh, and we're, we're working on it. You're probably going to see it get tweaked through the next few episodes as we perfect it, but we're, we're excited about it. Yeah. And I'm also really excited because of a certain movie that's apparently being made. <laughs> We're very excited about this movie. So uh, a friend of ours uh, just sent us a, a frantic message all hyped up for this. Yes. The biggest Carmen fan that I've yes. ever known. Now, this is uh, this is Shane yeah. of the Nice Boys podcast. Yes. Um, we were recently on an episode <laughs> of the Nice Boys. We redrafted our ideal winter jam yes. lineup. That so check that out on that Apple Podcast. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's it was probably one of the most fun times I've had recording a podcast since getting into this. Yeah. So go good. give it a listen. Yeah. And uh, he's a huge Carmen fan. And anyway, he sent us this this teaser trailer that dropped for a new movie about the life of Carmen. <sighs> it's called Carmen One More. It's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so, so good. So he uh, apparently he asked this guy to, to start filming, uh, to start making a story about his life. Um, earlier uh, or near the end of last year, I guess. Right. And so now that Carmen's passed away, this gentleman has taken it as like his mission in life. His duty. Yeah, that he has to get this movie made to do Carmen justice. Right. And uh, I feel like he's in over his head because we watched the teaser and I'm telling you, Brandon, it looks like something that somebody made on iMovie. Yeah, I don't know that he understands like, you know, the weight of the assignment <laughs> yeah. on him. Oh, like, I, this is no small thing. Yeah, I, I actually think he might realize that and he's freaking out because I'm telling you, he's in over his head. Like, Christians from the 80s mm-hmm. and the 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. love Carmen. Oh, yeah. They love their Carmen. And it's so funny because I'm like, I, I didn't grow up with Carmen. Yeah. My wife did. Yeah. She loved Carmen. Oh, okay. he's You he's loved great. Carmen. I loved Shane him. loved Carmen. A buddy yeah. of mine, Jordan, shout out to Jordan, listening to the podcast. <laughs> he threatens me every time he listens. He's like, listen, you better stop talking about my boy Carmen. Okay, oh, listen. I will support the podcast, <laughs> but if you don't stop talking about Carmen, we're going to have problems. In this case, we're not dissing Carmen. I'm just dissing his choice of filmmakers. So this guy, if you watch the trailer, most of it is just black screens with text on it, it, it like repeatedly over and over again, saying mostly the same thing. Right. They even use, he, so they, they use the soundbite of Carmen saying his name. 
I can't do it justice. Maybe you can try, but he's like, Carmen. <laughs> Carmen. Yeah, he says his name, and then the crowd cheers. And they use that same sound bite of his name with the crowd cheering twice in this little teaser. Dude, it's so good. Um, this is all they have. It's all they have. And so, anyway, we started looking into who's making this. It's Jack Vale, a YouTube comedian yeah. from, like, 2005. Now, if you're not familiar with Jack Vale... It's probably because you're not old enough to remember YouTube <laughs> in when it was like in the Wild West days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Jack Vale farted on people. Yeah, that like, <laughs> is so funny. That Jack was one Vail, of his bits. Jack Vale's famous for uh, his pooter jokes. Yeah, where he would go into like a supermarket and hide a camera in the shelf somewhere, and then go up to someone with like a, a sound machine that sounded like farts. Right, and would get the get the reaction to him farting on them. Like that's what he's known for. Yeah, and Carmen entrusted him. He's like, this is the this, <laughs> this is the guy. This is the this guy is the we're guy. going with. He also did like coning. I mean, I I went coning when I was in high school. Well, who didn't go coning because of Jack Vale? Uh, so it's just a really random pig. Yeah, but you know we're excited about it. Yeah, um, yeah. as soon as that movie drops, mm-hmm. Joe and I will be going to see it regardless. Oh, now, yeah. there's actually an Indiegogo for the film. Yeah, yeah. Some of the to... perks are awesome. It's oh, like really? you can get like <laughs> the full script next year. Oh wow! Where you get three pages of the of the, of the screenplay right mm. now. Wow! And I was like. That seems Do like I want to spend fifty dollars to get three pages of the screenplay. <laughs> I think the answer was that. no. Oh, we need uh, that for not the yet, show. But we do need it for the show. Oh my god, that'd be fun to go through. But like, I just, I just can't get over it, man. Okay, this is Carmen. Is the guy who could work with anyone, right? I mean, he had the music. He video. worked with DC Talk. He worked with DC Talk. He worked with Ricky Skaggs. Yeah, randomly enough, we're talking, we're talking Christian country mm-hmm. in Christian Nirvana. Yeah, it's like, how is it that you're a man who? Worked with Ricky Skaggs, Toby Mac, and Jack Vale of YouTube. The man is a chameleon. <laughs> he All really right? is. He's a chameleon. I mean, to go and to have like a movie like Riot, where it's a cop drama, right? A buddy cop drama where he's fighting gang violence, right. and there's a scene where he gets shot. And, like, it's this dramatic moment where he gets shot. He's down on the ground. His partner runs over to him, and he's, like, trying to make sure he's alive. Yeah. And it fades out and back in to suddenly Carmen singing a country western song God. with Ricky Skaggs. It's like he's Tiger a- King. <laughs> Do y'all remember when Tiger King swept the nation and it would, like, cut to those musical breaks? <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? Dude, he's, a, like you said, he's a chameleon. I mean, who else can go from fighting gangsters in a cop movie to just... Seamlessly into yeah, yeah. <laughs> into country western and then back again. So yeah, we're we're definitely looking forward to that Carmen man. It's gonna be good. Yes. Now, Joey, mm-hmm. the people I feel like have been anxiously awaiting an update. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that update is on my boy Peter Papa. Oh, we have an update for you guys. If you don't know, you have to go back and watch our our episode that says Scams for Satan. Yep. And it has pop off Peter Pop off a televangelist in the thumbnail. It's where we begin the journey. Yeah, because in and I'll really quickly recap. Yep. Uh we there's this televangelist. He got in a lot of trouble in the seventies and eighties because it was exposed that he was using uh, a earpiece to get fake prophecies and word of knowledge over right. his audience, where his wife would be reading things in an earpiece to him. Hey, Peter. Yeah, and would be giving him tips about, like, the people's address and what they came for prayer, and he was faking the whole thing. Right. And now he's selling Miracle Spring Water, and we signed up to see what would happen. Yep, we got some Miracle Spring Water. We did. We got some Miracle Spring Water. We got some um, we blessed got some pennies. pennies. Yeah, <laughs> blessed pennies that we threw into my neighbor's yard. Yep. <laughs> and so now, let's show them what we got. All right, so. Because we have not responded. This is just still. No, these are just unsolicited letters at this point. Yeah. So why don't you show what we got today? So here's what we have now, Joey. Mm-hmm. 
Look at that. <laughs> this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is it's our own. Um, let's see if I can remember what it was called. Prayer uh, Bless Shield. Yeah. The the Gold Shield of David. Yeah, yeah, the Gold Shield of David. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here's this beautiful, beautiful shield. Yeah. Um, now, while it looks nice and heavy because of how it's dragging the paper. <laughs> Do it, not be deceived. It's it's plastic. It, it it's is. really hard plastic, but... But yeah, look at that. It's got the Star of David. Nice. Now, it's really nice. We're supposed I'm to... Gonna like, I'm going to do like the, the, the jewelry TV thing. Yeah. Like, so that was what it. was sent to us. We, we now are supposed to pray with it. And we actually... There's a spot on the paper that we're supposed to put it down on. A little circle on the paper. Yes. It's like right a charging here. station. Hold on. So you're supposed to place the shield on this circle on the paper while you pray for it. Or pray for whatever you want. You put your right. hand over it. You put it on the circle. And that anointed circle yep. is supposed to charge up the coin. Correct. With, I don't know, Jesus energy. Yep. And then you take it with you and you receive blessing. In fact... Right. Now, do, we're supposed to be seeing blessing in the next three minutes, I believe. Let's see here. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think it, uh, you told me that it said at one point in three minutes we'd be blessed. Yes. Where <laughs> is it at? I read through some of this letter. It's so long. But okay. I, I do remember that uh, you were saying that uh, in just the next three minutes, we should be receiving a blessing. Correct. Um, so, but in 72 hours, some things could happen. Now, surprisingly, three minutes after we saw this thing, n- nothing really happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I did realize that there's a caveat. Okay. Oh, here it is. Miles Peterson. Remember, we oh, are Miles Peterson, which is Bible man's name. Yep. Three minutes after you receive this letter, you will experience incredible miracles at the emotional level. Ooh. So what is but the emotional miracle? Like Joey, what? Not just the emotional level, and especially the financial level. So th- in three minutes, did you feel an emotional miracle? Uh, I can't say that it did. What would that even be? What is an emotional miracle? That, that kind of just, that could be anything. I don't know, but I also didn't get a pay raise, so the financial thing didn't work either. Now, here's the most important part, though. Mm-hmm. This is a shield. Joey, what is the purpose of a shield? To protect from the fiery arrows of the enemy. Correct. Also, an imminent danger coming against you will be totally stopped in its tracks. Well, that's wonderful. So, so we might not have had an emotional miracle, but I believe something was going to kill us. There was a tiger coming. There was a tiger. There was some sort of bear. We are in Knoxville. Shut down. Which, you know, black bears are nearby. Could have happened. Now, one of the problems with the shield, okay, is there's a little prayer here that mm-hmm. says, I received the changes that you have seen at the emotional and financial levels for me in the weeks ahead. Okay. So, so we're seeing switch. it in mm-hmm. the spiritual realm. Dude, this guy is, is he's, he's skilled. I'll give him that. Now, he knows what he's doing. We won't get the money, mm-hmm. the emotional increase or the mm-hmm. financial increase or the, the, you know, yeah, the attack won't stop. Yeah. Unless we sow a seed of at least $40 to God's profit of increase. So what do you think is the next little trinket we're going to get? We so, got we got miracle water. Yep, we got, got miracle pennies. Yep. Now we got a miracle star of David emblem, mm-hmm. which I feel like I feel like I just need to keep in my wallet for the rest of my life, honestly. Probably. I, th- I think I need to do that. Um, what do you think the next thing is going to send us? I don't know. I'm really excited. We, we could have a whole shelf of little... See, the shield doesn't want to go. Wow. That's a miracle. It, it, we could have a whole shelf someday of little pop-off oh, trinkets. Oh, little, little PD, PD, PD pop-off trinkets. Yeah, keep it right there. there. It might get melted by our lava lamp. Oh, that's possible. But it's anointed, so it's going to withstand the heat of the lava but, lamp. So at this point, we should have sent Peter $37. First was 37 yep. and then 77 And then 77 Now and he now wants 40, 40. Right. Anyways, Joey, let us move on, Let's move on to the next segment of our 
spit. I want to point out this did not did not have a drink in it. Gotcha. Yeah, fooled you. So Ooh, we have you should this seen mug. the look on your faces. We have this mug here that my brother sent me. It's got Jesus looking ticked off, and it says, "Oh my gosh, you guys, that's not what I said." It's perfect for the show. Love it. And within this mug, we have several micro topics. See, there's lots of things that Brian and I talk about that we want to talk about, but we feel like. It's not long enough for a whole episode. Right. So we have a mystery cup full of micro topics. We're going to pull them out, and we're just going to go through a few of them. All right. Who's going first? Brandon's going first. What do you got, buddy? Some of these are based off of questions we get and comments. Um, some of it's just stuff that I'm pissed off about and want to yell about. So let's go. So first question we have. What do we got? We got the big one, Jay. The big one. Calvinism versus universalism. Why do we start with the longest one? Literally, I reached my hand in there. Okay, don't put this on me. That was preordained to happen. Yes, of course. Predestined. Predestined. So Brandon and I are not Calvinists, and if we have any Calvinist listeners, um, we love you, and we don't we want do. you to, we don't want you to leave. So please stay. Um, but we are not Reformed Christians. Unlike your God, we love everybody. Oh my God! <laughs> so we may have to cut that. I get it. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Look, we're, we're, just stick around. Um, we. Uh, why is it? Brandon, that you are not a Calvinist because we went to the same Bible yeah, college sure and did. a Calvinist movement swept oh, the student body. When I was in um, when in Bible college, a lot of my roommates were turning Reformed, reading John Piper. It got to the point where some of the teachers had to like step in and be like, guys, we're not a Calvinist school. Chill yeah. out. <laughs> and uh, when Joey was a second year, uh-huh. I was a first year, so a lot of your second year friends were peddling those things on to us first mm-hmm. years, and we were blindly agreeing because we didn't know any better. You were just following the, the older students. Really, I mean, they, yeah. they've been here a year. They know I guess about. we're predestined. I guess God's a monster. Listen, I've never met a non-elect Calvinist. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how all Calvinists happen to be elect. Isn't that yeah. convenient? Um, um, yeah, no, we, we moved away from that, though. The reason we are not Calvinist is, first off, it works under a bad view of God, even from the get-go. Yeah. So yeah. just the idea of who God is and how God operates. hmm just is incorrect. Um, yeah. So a lot, a lot of Calvinists would kind of argue the idea that God has sides mm-hmm. where, you know, he has his judgment side for some and then a loving side for others. Yeah. Um, and that's not a thing with God. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody experiences God's love, judgment, mercy, you know, vengeance, all of those things at the same time. Right. God is, God is all of those things. Exactly. It's not that God experiences those emotions. Mm-hmm. It's God is those things. Exactly. When we say that God is good, we don't mean that he is a person who chooses to do good things. Right. We we don't mean that he's a being that can be good but can be bad if he felt like it. He is goodness itself. Right. That's the metaphysical reality of who God is. So if he is pure goodness itself, then he's not going to operate in the way where certain people are elected to be tormented forever. Correct. Um, it's just not... If that doesn't make any sense in our human understanding... Then it that you can't just say, oh well, God's ways are above ours, so it makes way for Him. Right. Listen, if it sounds evil to me for a baby to be born predestined for hell, and for the and with no choice in the matter, no choice that they just are are inherently sinful. Yep. Out of nothing that they did, they're just born that way. Right. And then they have no chance of getting fixed because they can't go to God on their own, and they're just sent to hell because that's what the Calvinist God says. That sounds unfair, it sounds unjust, and it sounds evil. Correct. And if it sounds evil to me, you can't just say, well, in the mind of God, it makes sense. God is holier than me. Right, and Jesus even comes against that idea right? because he's like, you know, 
if your earthly father mm-hmm. gives good gifts, yeah, how, how much, much more, more mm-hmm. will your heavenly father bless you? Exactly. On no planet would we ever say that an eternity in mm-hmm. torture mm-hmm. is a good gift. Exactly. And, you know, his ways are above our ways doesn't mean that in somehow in his mind it makes sense. It means right. he's better than our ways. Correct. His ways are above our ways because they are more just, more good. One of is more biblical of an idea of how God thinks. Mm-hmm. You deserve to be eternally tormented but I'm going to choose to reconcile you back to myself. That he would do anything, that he would leave the 99 to find the one lost sheep, that he would run to the prodigal son, that he would drop everything for them and make sure that there is always room at his table for everyone. Right. That is the gospel. I've heard a statement from Calvinists before of, you know, when I've talked to them about this topic, and they're like, you know, well, that sounds nice, but that's just not how it is. (laughs) And I'm like, the fact that you think it sounds good, Mm Mm-hmm. But you can't ascribe that level of goodness to mm-hmm. God it means you do not understand who it means, God is. It means that you have in your mind thought up a better God than God. Right. And I don't want to worship a God that I can just think of one better than him. Correct. That, that Why would I worship a God if I can make one up that's better? Right. Now, we have the verse you, verses universalism part of that. Mm-hmm. Now, on that same coin, okay, mm-hmm. neither Joey or I... Don't think that hell doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, we got to get into the universalist side, I guess. Yeah. But, but, but real quick, because we got more yeah, topics. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. We, we do believe in hell. It's not that we don't think hell is a real place. We just don't believe it as a place where you are eternally boiled alive in some culture right. and getting poked by a devil with a pitchfork. We don't see it as that. We see, see God exists... God is the wellspring of all that is. Correct. And so heaven is not, and hell are not places. They are actually re- things in God. And in the traditional sense, you know, yeah. currently we are in our sunroom. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying where is we are. everything exists within God. Correct. For instance, like God can't, there is no throne or room that can contain God. So heaven's not a place where God lives. Heaven is a, it lives inside of God. Right. And the same thing is true for hell. These are both essentially relationships with God where you are experiencing his love. Um, it's just that heaven is where you are fully embracing his love and hell is where you are rejecting it. Right. And the pain of, of, of hell is the pain that you've created for yourself, essentially, in your rejection of God. Right, and it's not God being so mad at you mm-hmm. that he has to punish you because you didn't worship him. Right. Because God doesn't have an ego that operates that way. Right, he's, he's not offended. He can't feel offended that you don't worship him. What he hates is what sin is doing to us. Correct. He doesn't, he's not mad at us for sinning. He is mad that sin has hurt us and made us less like him. Right. And so the point of hell, because the idea that hell is eternal separation from God mm-hmm. would mean that God can't go there. Exactly. Meaning there's some power stronger than God, Mm -hmm. some thing stronger than God, keeping him away from us. Yeah, and that's impossible. And that's impossible. And plus, if hell, if if the punishment for sin was eternal, then that meant that, that would mean that God never fully dealt with it. Right. It would mean that that, that's never fully finished. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He didn't say, you know, we're going to keep having to deal with this issue for literally all of eternity. Yeah. Um, The point is, that God's correction, God's judgment on humans is always meant to correct and for us to grow. Right. It's like when my toddler does something wrong and I put her in, a, in the corner or something or, or, you know, take a toy away or whatever. Right. It's not because I'm just mad at her. It's because I want her to learn. I want her to grow. I want her to understand. It's not punishment for the sake of punishment. Exactly. And that's something that we've kind of, we've 
gotten wrong in the American church mm-hmm. because we look at God's judgment mm-hmm. like we look at our judgment. Yeah. Where we don't see prisons as places that are meant to correct bad behavior. Right. We see them as places to punish people who have done bad things. Yeah. And so that's our view of God and hell because we always call God judge. Exactly. But that is not at all the context in which Jesus was talking about any exactly. sort of punishment. That's not the context in which Paul was talking about, mm-hmm. you know, punishment. Yeah. That's not at all what they were thinking about whenever they said these things and wrote these things. Exactly. And praise God that we have a judge who is more just than our own judges. Correct. Our own feeble understanding of what justice is. Right. And even when we look at the judges in the book of Judges, it's Mm -hmm. always about making wrong things right. Exactly. It's not about punishing evil. Mm -hmm. It's about correcting them back to good. And that's why the whole hope of the gospel is that Jesus would renew the earth, not judge it and throw it into fire and destroy it. Right. Oh, but we're going to save a few of us and go live in a gated community somewhere in the sky. Yeah. No, the hope of the gospel, if you read it, is that he would renew the face of the earth, that he would make all wrong things right, and he would be made all in all. I mean, there's verses that Calvinists use, like where Paul says, could not the maker you know, make some vessels for honor and some vessels for dishonor? And they say, see, he's arguing that God could make some people for honor and some for dishonor, some for heaven, some for hell. What they don't understand is that Paul was making an argument that he then, in the next chapter, destroyed. He was setting up a hypothetical argument that he himself then argued (laughs) against. He wasn't saying that's really how it works. It's like... These, so these freaking headphones won't stay in my head. Because <laughs> all that, that's all the luscious locks you got, Joey. Oh man, maybe I should get a haircut. Hey, what do you guys think? Should I get a haircut? You know what I think? We should move on. I think so. We'll do a full episode sometime Correct. about this topic, but let's move on, Joey. Yes. Cup. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's see what we got here. Prayer. Oh, all right. All right. I was hoping to get this one. Uh, kick it off, Joey. Man, so I've been reading a lot on uh, uh, prayer from Brian's on. Shocker. I know. I, I, what can I say? So I've been reading Brian Zahn's book, Water to Wine, and one of the things that he talks about is how evangelical Christianity has completely twisted the idea of what prayer is. Yeah. And it's been blowing my mind. I, <laughs> I had to go and... I mean, he, he literally, in this book, Water to Wine, in just one chapter, because he talks about lots of things, sure. but the chapter about prayer, he fully deconstructed my entire understanding of what prayer is and then rebuilt it in just in just a few pages, he'll get you like that. He'll get you like he'll that, man. I'm just sitting there at the beach, you know. My my kids are playing, and I'm like having my mind blown about what prayer is. So what he points out, and I think you know about this too, because I'm pretty sure you've you've heard him talk about yeah. this. Um, is he points out that uh, for church history, for forever, for thousands of years, or, or whatever it was. Praying, praying was that disciples or followers of a certain priest, a certain teacher, whatever, a rabbi, they would pray the prayers that that person wrote. That that right. person who, who was a who would, would go before God and would write out a prayer and yep. then give those to the disciples, and, and they would pray those prayers. But let, to, sorry, real quick, yeah, let's look at Jesus though, because yeah. I mean that is exactly the template mm-hmm. that the disciples talk about. Exactly, they is, said, how do we pray? Whenever the disciples go to Jesus, and Lord, teach us how to pray. Yeah. That was a common thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that was not a strange thing. I mean, we look at that, we're like, oh, man, those disciples, you know, they're little yeah. baby Christians. Yeah. You know, they're little baby Jews yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. deal with Jesus. No, like, that is what they were taught to do was yes. find your rabbi and pray the prayers of your rabbi. Exactly, that he writes a prayer. And so he wasn't, when Jesus wrote the Lord's Prayer, he meant literally pray this. This is exactly and, what you need to pray. Exactly. And, and um, but we today in Christianity are more ad-lib prayer, which is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with ad-lib. But we talk about prayer as prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is just 
expressing my views to God. Right. But the problem with that, and now I still do that. Oh, prayer, absolutely. Prayer All should, the time. Prayer should absolutely be talking to God. That is what it is. Right. But the problem is that when we completely move away from any liturgical backing, with any, if we completely reject all liturgical prayer as, oh, those are just prepackaged. What we right. do is we move away from a rich history of Christian faith yeah. that, that we can really grow from, and then we end up just kind of making stuff up. Right. You know, a lot of what we pray ends up being us just venting our own feelings and opinion. So what Brian Zahn points out is so good is he says that prayer is not supposed to be about us expressing our feelings to God. Prayer is supposed to be about us feeling what God expresses. Yeah, it's so good. So prayer isn't just me telling God, this is how I feel, this is how I feel, this is how I feel. Right. Prayer is about me going before God with a with a rich liturgical backing of, of theologically sound and deep and moving prayers yeah. where I can be formed. Prayer is not about what it does to God. Right. We think that like... God is holding back a blessing because I haven't prayed for it. Correct. I have to twist God's arm. I have to say the right things in the right order. Exactly. Like if I say the right things, then God will be compelled to move on my behalf. Right. Listen, God is already full goodness and fully in favor of what's good for you. Yes. You don't have to convince God to bless you or to do good things for you because he is goodness for you. So prayer isn't about us making God do something or twisting his arm into something. Prayer is about what it does to us, not to God. Right. It's about us going before him and being formed and being better transformed into more uh, God-focused humans. Yeah. Um, So it's about daily kind of recalibrating yourself to reminding, like, I'm focused on him, I'm focused on God and what he's saying and, and not just getting him to do stuff. Right. And on the other side of that, too, is, you know, I never want to discourage people from just praying their own prayers. Of course, keep doing that. I Um, still do it. Yeah, because, you know, and we could kind of even get into the whole speaking in tongues thing Mm -hmm, whenever mm -hmm. it comes to prayer. Mm -hmm. But, like, for me, because I have, because of messages like Brian's on, like, I've started looking into, I want to get a copy of it, but Mm -hmm. the Book of Common Prayers. Yes, I have that on my Amazon wish list now because of him. (laughs) Praying some of those other prayers, but also, like, still just praying. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I find myself recentering myself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very mm-hmm. much a meditative thing for me now. Yes. Of praying of like, because Jesus did come, you know, to tear the veil and make, you know, God's presence available to everybody. Yeah. And all, yeah. you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we cannot throw away all of, you know, 2,000 years worth of mm-hmm. Christianity in the name of. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Exactly. And one of the things that he does in, in Water to Wine is he actually puts out his um, his liturgical prayer um, yeah. format for his morning prayer. And it's what it is, is he makes space for that sort of from your spirit, just kind of ad lib talking to yeah. God. He has space for that right in the center. But it's, it's you know, Blank it's by. flanked on both ends by a liturgical format of praying these prayers of, of saints and, and the Lord's Prayer. Like a little prayer Oreo. Yeah, exactly. But right there in the center is your time to just pray whatever is on your heart, whatever you want to say. And that way, what he's doing is he's keeping that in reins, where basically, because of what you just got done praying, 
when it gets down to where you are just doing ad lib, mm-hmm. hopefully you are kind of focused and centered and 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 on ranked what in prayers for on what prayers about that this isn't about making God do something. It's about making me a better Christian. It's right. about forming in me to be a better human. Right. And that way, I'm not running off on just like venting my emotion of anger and just yeah, like exactly. yelling at no one and thinking that that's prayer. Exactly. You know, because I'm I'm I've been focused and centered in. So, so, so that's good. I think that's a good. Uh, yeah, Brandon, pr- pull up another one. And come. Let's see what we got. What are we doing? What are we doing? The devil's in that cup, by the way. Maybe we'll get to talk about the devil today. Devil's in that cup. What's this one? Yeah, this one's good. All right, let's go. We got two. I don't think that's the devil. Ooh, the Olympics. The Olympics. Oh yeah, I, I didn't write that one. one. I did. <laughs> what do you want to say about the Olympics? I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's go. Simone Biles. Listen, if anybody, yeah. if any single person, okay, listens to our podcast. Mm-hmm. And you had a bad thing to say about Samoan Biles. Mm. Go ahead and leave. Oh, we don't want you here. Oh, I don't know yeah, about I that. said it. I don't know about that. The table's I open said for it. everyone. I, the table's open for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, you can Not still this podcast. You can still hang out on our Instagram. Yeah, you can. You can still like our memes. Right? <laughs> I'll let you like the memes. No, but what you, the, I think the point you're trying to make is that Simone Biles stepped down for her mental health. Yeah, and we're obviously a very pro mental Correct. health. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Joey, how do you feel about? you know, Christians and the Olympics and, Mm. you know, whenever people use that platform Mm -hmm. to say, you know, give God all the glory. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Um, That's fine. I I don't have an issue with that. I just think that the Olympics, like every time it happens, it seems to bring out. So some of the worst attributes of some Christians, some fundamentalists will pick apart every random little thing. Right. They'll be angry every time the U S doesn't win. Because the U.S. is their religion, yeah, um, it, it's interesting to watch. I just, I just found it interesting the response that I've seen of some Christians to mm. things like Simone Biles stepping down because of mental health, and yeah. then you know the absolute pandering of people like, mm-hmm. you know, I give God all the glory, right? Oh, right. this is a real Christian, you know, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Oh yeah, only supporting the athletes that they know is like a Christian, correct? Yeah. But then if an athlete isn't like forward about their faith, they just assume like they're not a Christian, right? So I'm not gonna, I don't want to support them, right? Yeah, so. yeah, no, that, that's always annoying. It's like. I could just support an athlete because they're a good athlete. Yeah. It doesn't have to, you know, why is it that like a lot of Christians will do that even with other jobs? They'll recommend right. like, oh, we'll go to this. Barber. This is a Christian, Christian school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Go to this, you know, auto mechanic. He's a Christian. So right. Like, I just want my car to work. Yeah. <laughs> Me and, uh, so my wife owns a dance studio. Yeah. And, it's uh, a Christian dance studio. It definitely <laughs> is not. It is It is very blatantly not a Christian dance studio. What kind of dance is she teaching? I mean, she dances, teaches ballet. Oh, okay. Obviously, <laughs> but we like we made a very conscious decision mm-hmm. to not market right based off our faith. We're right. not, you know, we're not using God as a marketing tool, <laughs> right? And uh, well, good on you. So, yeah, that, that's uh, I know it's a quick topic, but well, let's, let's let's dive into it. It's, it's topical. It is topical. topical, Simone, topical. Simone Biles is the goat, and if she needed to take a break for her mental health, then so be it. Take a break. Take a break. Oh, oh this one oh, yeah. chopped out. Modern worship. Mm. This one's going to be fun. Amen. Okay, so before we get into this topic, know that, first of all, it's a big topic. Huge we'll have, topic. We'll have to talk about it in a full episode and not the last 10 minutes of this one sometime. Um, also know that, Brandon, you are a worship leader. I sure am. And so we respect that, and I think that's awesome. And I love the worship team in our church. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, so I have no issues with that. The The problem with modern worship that um, in the deconstruction world yep. is that a lot of deconstructing Christians... Um, are voicing 
their concern with evangelical worship scenes. Sure. And some of it I agree with and some sure. of it I don't. I think that our church is an example of how to have a worship team the right way. Yeah. The team that you're a part of does an excellent job. But but just to, to um, you know, just to show that we have heard their side oh, yeah, and absolutely. that we understand their argument, I'll just quickly go through it. Like a lot of um, ex-evangelicals, a lot of deconstructing Christians, they point out how a lot of the church's worship teams are are so much focused on stardom and on sure. celebrity sure. and on putting on this rock show. Right. And for a lot of us millennials or Gen Z, we are now more realizing that that feels fake and sure. it feels unauthentic. And so a lot of us are gravitating more to a sacramental and liturgical Christianity and rejecting the rock shows of Hillsong right. because it doesn't feel, it feels shallow. It feels weightless, but you go to a liturgical and a sacramental church and, and it feels authentic and real compared to the rock shows and smoke screens that we're used to seeing. And I think, you know, as someone that, you know, is part of it every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, on a team that does it right, by the way. Yeah, on a team that does it right. <laughs> because we, I wouldn't say that we're a super liturgical, yeah. you know. I hope we move that way, but anyways, I'm not in charge. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wouldn't say that we lean that way. Right. Um, but there is some validity in saying that it doesn't feel authentic. Mm-hmm. But to judge the authenticity of an entire team mm-hmm. based off of how they express Right, their sound mm-hmm. is kind of unfair, you no, know, and yeah. and I think that's something that like I I find myself disagreeing with with that crowd where it's like if that liturgical sacramental style of worship fits you better, mm-hmm. then by all means like find a community where you get that and just yeah. go just, just after go it, it. Yeah. just do it up, right? But at the same time, if we judge people for enjoying mm-hmm. that more rock show smokescreen style mm-hmm. worship, mm-hmm. then we're no better. Mm-hmm. than the people were frustrated with. Sure. I think, though, it's important to point out that some of these are specific cases of oh, 100%. It's like, clearly this person is here for the for the yeah. fame. 100%. You have some worship leaders who, you know, just look at, obviously we don't know them, and I know that it's a tricky thing, especially with Christians, be like, oh, you can't judge them, you don't know them, and I respect that. Sure. But from what we can see, a lot of these very famous worship leaders clearly are in for the celebrity. I mean, you even have scandals, like one case where that guy... Um, I can't think of his name right now, but you had this case where a Hillsong worship leader wrote a song about his battle with cancer, only to later find out that he completely made up that he even ever had cancer. Right. Um, and it's like, it's one thing to write a song about believing God for healing mm-hmm. for cancer. Right. It's a complete other thing to say, I have cancer, mm-hmm. and I wrote the song to believe for healing. Yeah. I mean, he's up on cancer. stage with like a breathing tube in his nose. Right. And it's like, it was fake. I mean, now that's obviously just one bad case. I'm not sure. judging all, you know, evangelical worship by that one story. I'm just saying that that is one of the examples that people are pulling from. Right. And saying like, see, clearly for some people, it's more about I want to be famous. Right. Rather than just coming together to worship God. And so I've been trying to study what a more... Um, God, fo- God, completely focused worship setting is like, and what I'm realizing is that for most cases in the Bible, worship is connected with sacrifice. Sure, it's not connected with singing a song. Right. I mean, yes, we have the Book of Psalms, so obviously praise singing is a thing. Right. <laughs> and I mean, and I'm not saying we should take there's that out. a lot of it too in the Old Testament. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that because it's in the Old Testament, it's not relevant to today. Right. I think that's something that people miss a lot. Is mm-hmm. Jesus was not trying to do away with the Old Testament. Right. Jesus was fulfilling the law of the Old Testament. And he was, there are of course plenty of times where he 
like showed things are different now. Correct. You know, before you had to not eat these certain meats, but then with Peter on the roof, he gives him the vision that now nothing is unclean. Right. So there are, of course, times where he's yeah, tweaking, absolutely. I guess you could mm-hmm. say. But it's not... The, the thing that I love about this idea that worship is sacrifice is that, like I said, throughout the Bible, you see lots of times where worship is attributed to sacrifice, either mm-hmm. the sacrifice of, of uh, you know, burnt offering, whatever it might be. Yep. But for Christians, this sacrifice is Jesus. So what, yeah. how do we partake in that? It's through the Eucharist. It's right. through eating the bread and the wine that represents the body and blood of Jesus right. and his sacrifice. So really, that is a, the, the Eucharist, the, the communion that's an act of it's worship. A beautiful thing of worship. Yeah. Too. And so I think for some Christians, they're just kind of thinking that's what worship is, not singing lyrics on a screen with rock music. Now, I think there's room for both. Sure, absolutely. But some people are making that argument that really just communion and that kind of thing is more worship than singing a song is. Yeah. And I guess for me, like my biggest thing is we can't really judge the authenticity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. Um. And I, I guess that's the biggest thing that I would say to be careful of mm-hmm. when going into the deconstructing of worship and different things like that. Yeah. Um, especially since it is such a public style. I mean, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the most public things. Right. Aside from the preaching mm-hmm. that you see in church. You know, you right. don't really see prayer, like people's prayer lives publicly. You don't really see, mm-hmm. you know, if they're Calvinists or Universalists publicly. Right. But you do see expressions of worship publicly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say, you know, Yes, there are some people that are in it just so they can sell records, so they yes. can put out songs. Yes. They don't care if they're theologically correct. They don't care if, you know, if they're they, original sounding. If they're original sounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As someone who was a musician for most of my life, you know, mm-hmm. I was around music way before I became a Christian. Right. I was like, oh, so Christian music is just you two with different lyrics. Basically. It's just yeah. Coldplay with different lyrics. Yeah, basically. So people that are finding their own sound and they're writing, you know, more sound mm-hmm. music. Yeah. Like, just because it's more of a rock sound, mm-hmm. maybe they just like that sound. Right, and that's okay. You know? You know, one of the things I love about worship in the evangelical style, um, and of course it's the same for if you're, reading sure. hymn, if, you're, if you're reading from a hymnal or if it's a Hillsong song, you know. That, that, that's right. It. My point is, the thing I love about actually singing in worship is the communal aspect oh, of it. yeah. How it's all of us together. What people don't understand in American Christianity is that Christianity is a community faith. 100%. It, it's not an individual faith. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Exactly. And I hate that so many people use that to like bash, you know, COVID restrictions and whatnot. Right, right, right. It's not so much being in one place. It's about being in one accord. Exactly. Being in the same mind. And when we we sing and worship together, that is a unifying thing. Right. All of us are together in this one. And you know what? It's the same thing as if we were reading, like, the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. Or the Nicene Creed. Or, or one of these prayers from the Common Book of Prayers. Right. We're in, where we're saying the same things, it's a communal act. And it reminds us that, yes, having your own private relationship with Jesus is obviously important. But Christianity is a faith meant to be shared. Right. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there also. Exactly. I mean, there's so much emphasis put on community. Exactly. That we cannot just throw it all away. Exactly. I find worship to be an incredible way for us to all Mm -hmm. start to shift our focus Mm -hmm. together and focus on this one, you know, one of the aspects of God. If we're singing about the goodness of God, we're all focusing Mm -hmm. together on the goodness of God. Exactly. So yes, there are some people who are bad examples who manipulate people or who, you know, just use music as a way to make themselves famous. And yes, there are some people who would say, I would prefer liturgical style worship rather than Hillsong style. And 
that there's room for all those conversations. Yep. But I think where we end is we still think that there is absolutely valid reason for that kind of worship. Oh, yeah, 100 And uh, that done with the right intentions and motives, it can be beautiful. Yeah. All right, quick lightning round to get through the rest of these. We're going to do all of them? I thought we were going to do part two. All right, I want to do one more, though. Okay, one more. <laughs> and then we'll do a part two we'll for the rest of the two. cup because the devil's somewhere in that cup, and I want to talk about the devil. People are asking. All right, Joey, I'm glad I picked this one up because I'm going to say it like I'm asking you. Okay. Joey, what is the case for Christ? Ooh, okay. So the case for Christ we have on our bookshelf back there. It is a the book by Lee Strobel, mm. a classic. Um and it, it's basically the main book of the modern apologetics movement. Mm, I, Joey, for the people, real quick, what are apologetics? <laughs> okay, um, so apologetics is, in Christianity, it's basically making up the, the arguments to defend the faith from accusation. It comes right. The word comes from a, a courtroom scene where essentially you're defending someone. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is, and it's, it's the fundamentalist movement really, but the idea is that um, we have to have an answer ready for any question that people might levy against Christianity. Right. And so we have to defend it. We have to make sure that we're ready um, for anything. It has to be, the Bible has to be held up scientifically. It's, it's all about a focus on empiricism, on empirical data. We have to have the answers. Right. Um, and so it's, regardless of if they make any sense whatsoever mm-hmm. with provable science or data. Exactly. We just have to have an answer. Exactly. There is no, I don't know. There is no, I have to research that more. Right. There is no, right. you know, that is something I've been struggling with. You know, let me go read more of the early church fathers and right. see what they thought on it. Right, right, no, right. It is, we have to we have, have to know. a literal Mm-hmm. answer and when you when you have that kind of apologetics of for one you're trying to make the bible out to be a science book or a history book which is not which is not meant to be it has some history in it right so you're, you're has no science in it right <laughs> has a lot of poetry uh-huh has a lot of parable right it right. has a whole lot of things in it yeah science is not one of them exactly and when we we're trying to make the bible something that's not we're dishonoring it that way when we try to make it into a science book but right. the other thing that's so amazing about this is that um fundamentalism started as a resistance to secularism correct it started as a response to the enlightenment way of thinking right which was that we don't need religion because we have science we have our our human intellect right we don't need this and so fundamentalism was a response to that but the, the thing is that that's so ironic is that they're actually doing exactly what secularism (laughs) says. Secularism says that empiricism, empirical data, in fact, is above mystery. Right. And fundamentalism is agreeing. It's saying, yeah, you're right. We need to have empirical evidence, in fact, and that's why we have to defend this. And they reject all mystery of faith, all mystery of Christianity. Right. So it's like you're doing exactly what secularism does. Yeah. Um, I think the case for Christ is not something that we state through science or through history. Right. The case for Christ is stated through your life and through love. Given over for other people. The case for Christ is best stated for your sacri- through your sacrifice, through right. your giving, through your love. That's what that's what creates the case. Yeah. Not well we can find Noah's ark. I don't want I don't think any, What would that do? Mm-hmm. I don't think any atheist is going to switch camps. Because you can because prove we found a boat. that you found a boat in the Middle East. They're going to, if anything, be moved by the by a real case for Christ stated through your love for them, your acceptance, your inclusion. Beauty. Exactly. The beauty of, of Christianity is its inclusiveness. Yeah. 
and it's and it's freedom for all to be a part. Think about how beautiful mm-hmm. not just the message of Jesus was, mm-hmm. but the life of Jesus. Exactly. And that's what we're called to be. We are literally called to be Christ-like. Right. And Jesus went out of his way, mm-hmm. okay, to sit at a well yeah. for God knows how long, mm-hmm. waiting for a Samaritan woman who's essentially a prostitute to show up. Yeah. So he could bless her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Went out of his way. She even said, listen, I know you're a Jew. I've seen the people following you around. I've heard the stories about you already. Yeah. You should not be here. Mm-hmm. And you should not be talking to me. Exactly. She's like, I'm going to go tell my husband. And she's like, well, you don't got one. Yeah. And he, and he gives her a full word of knowledge. He gives her a full word of knowledge. And loves her. Blesses her with the water of life. Yes. You know, the water that will never run dry. Yes. A woman who, by all accounts, by anyone else would have been... Considered just cast to the side, and that is the beauty of Jesus. Jesus not only speaking to the lepers, mm-hmm. but touching them. Yes, because it was always said, if you touch a leper, you then become unclean. Right, and Jesus said, perfect. Mm-hmm. Whenever I touch you, you will be made clean. Exactly, because and that's what he tells Peter later in the book of Acts. Right, um, when he when when Peter has that vision, he realizes and he says, I will never again call anyone unclean because he realizes that. In Christ, all are made clean. Right. And that is the beauty of the gospel. Right. And that is what states the case for Christ. For a world that is so obsessed with empiricism, with facts, with data, with science. I love science. I love all those I things. I'm a huge, I mean, like, I got a freaking rocket tattoo. I'm, you know, from, from yeah. so obviously I love uh, all that stuff. But in faith, in, in, in religion, we are not dealing with those things. We are dealing with the mystery and the love of Jesus. And it's okay to embrace that instead of thinking that we have to scientifically prove. You know, there's the story of Jesus on the cross when he gets yep. pierced mm-hmm. in the side. And water flows out right. from his side. There are people um, in the apologetics movement who try to use science to explain what was physiologically happening in Jesus' body to make water flow out. And they make this argument, oh, it pierced this organ, and this must have been shutting down, and that's why there's water. But you know what the ancient church fathers said about it? They found the beauty in that story. You had... um, You had... uh, uh, Augustine, mm-hmm. or Augustine, for Dougie who's watching, who always corrects me that it's Augustine, not Augustine. He, he made the case that when he saw the water flowing out, he was saying, he, he, he was reminded of Noah's ark yeah, of the flood. The and he flood. was saying he was saying that the world was flooded with wrath, but now it's being flooded with Jesus. You got to think too. God love. said, I'm going to send the waters exactly. to cleanse the earth. Exactly. And now as Jesus is being pierced, mm-hmm. water's coming out, mm-hmm. that... Oh man, it's so, it's so good. good. It's, so because he, the water that God sent in Noah's ark mm-hmm. killed the world. Yeah. Okay, but the water coming out of Jesus the was the death water. of him. Exactly. And so now, not the death of the world mm-hmm. cleanses it, but now the death of Jesus cleanses the world. Exactly. And then, and then other church fathers saw other things in it. For instance, another church father said that he saw the opening up uh, as like a, a way for us to come into the body of Christ. Yeah. That all of us are now welcome in the body of Christ and into his church. And there are other church fathers who had other metaphors that were all beautiful in right. saying this is what it represents. And they found these metaphorical, these spiritual truths from the story. And yet we look at it and we just say, all right, but what organ was causing that yeah. to happen? What's the science behind this? Right. You don't need to approach it with that. No. What you need to do is embrace the mystery and learn the truths that are given through the story and the the, the, the metaphor and the spiritual truth. Because as someone, let me tell you something, as someone who wasn't raised in church, who loved science, that was one of my favorite class, hands down. Okay? Yeah, yeah. 
you telling me that the water came out of Jesus because they pierced some specific organ mm-hmm. that would easily be de- debunked by any sort of mm-hmm. forensic scientist. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't do anything for me. Exactly. But the idea of saying, okay, now back in the old Testament, mm-hmm. God killed everybody. Right. According, right. you know, in Noah's Ark, he flooded the earth mm-hmm. and he cleansed the world with water. Mm-hmm. And now look at Jesus, and mm-hmm. Jesus died to cleanse the world with utter instead of yeah. killing everybody else. Right. That story. That story matters. That is the beauty that will save the world. Exactly. That's a story that is an actual case for Christ. Right. We don't need to be playing CSI Jerusalem. <laughs> we need to be presenting the love of Jesus. And, uh, and, and yeah, I think that's a good place to end there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week on All Things Reconsidered. Yeah. Of course, here comes my shameless plug to subscribe to the channel. Click the button that's about right there. It'll be somewhere. Um, I'll figure it out. If you're already subscribed, ring the bell, leave a comment, like the video, um, yeah. share it on your social media platforms, follow us on Instagram at All Things Reconsidered Show. Um, and if you feel so led, Support us on Patreon. Yeah, that would be great. Um, we we need your support. And and when you're on our Patreon, you get to join our Discord, and you get to tell us what you want us to talk about. Yeah. I and mean, you get to fill our cup get to with other topics. Cup up and just, I mean, we have people, you know, submitting prayer requests, so it's awesome being able to, you know, be there with people. And, you know, if you're having a hard time finding a faith community in person, mm-hmm. the Discord server is a great way to find some people that are in the exact same point of life as you. Yeah. And that are willing to talk and hang out and just chat and, you know, do right. life together. I think we're going to do another one of these uh, topics from the cup episodes. And just to give you guys an idea, we got the devil in there. And we even have this one asking, should Christians date? What's Christian dating like? <laughs> Which we have some opinions that we are do. not the purity culture norm on that one. No, they are not. So I'm excited. So please uh, look out for that next Monday. But uh, as always, we are so glad that you joined us. And yes. we will see you guys next week. Later, guys.